0: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the How to Lead podcast, helping you unleash influence wherever you are. My name's Adam Tarno. I'm here with Clay Scroggins. All right, Clay, today we're going to wrap up this little series on meetings. We've done how to start a meeting. We've done how to run a meeting. And today we're going to have a couple fresh ideas, I think, on how to end a meeting. You got to stick that landing, right? Like this is mm, gymnastics. You got to you gotta stick that landing. And the, we've got two ideas that I think are going to help leaders Stick the landing. So I'm going to go back to one of the very first things you said uh, when we talked about how to start a meeting. Well, this isn't one of our ideas, but just a reminder, a terrible way to end a meeting is late. Right. You said a terrible <laughs> way true. to start a meeting is on, t- yeah, not uh, on time uh, is yeah. to uh, not start it on time. So a terrible way to end it is late as the team leader. Please, 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 please watch the clock or have somebody yeah. watch the clock. Respect people's time, uh, especially those meetings in the morning, because like a doctor's office, it could get uh, so then it sets up. you behind. Yeah. yeah, and it just so you got to end on time.
1: One of the things I've seen teams do, Adam, is to do a fifteen minutes of flex, mm. which I really I really like that because so you fun. do need you need a little bit of flex time to know all right. Well, this conversation is so good that we got to, but I think in general, if you can say it's an hour team meeting, we're going to start at eight, we're going to end at nine, but please don't schedule anything until nine fifteen. I think something like that works really well, especially if you can really be, you know, if you're, if every single time you're using the 15 minutes, well, then you probably need to either extend the meeting or you need to run a more efficient meeting. But I, I love ending a meeting on time. I also love giving a little bit of grace, a little bit of schedule grace to be able to go, all right, Hey, Jane, remember we asked you not to schedule a meeting and we got to keep talking about this. Can we have five more minutes?
0: I yeah, like and one other thought on this. So, Lencioni's book, "Death by Meeting," I'm sure there's people listening that have read that, where he talked about what typically will cause the meeting to go longer is when you start having strategic conversations in the middle of a tactical meeting. That's good. And so uh, that is that is again as the team leader, just watching out when somebody you're trying to say, all right, we need to fix this problem for the client, and then somebody raises their hand and is like. Why do we even have? Is this the product plans? that we should be selling to the client? That's right. Yes, <laughs> right. that that's a that is a strategic conversation that's right. that are those are difficult to time box. You probably shouldn't time box them. You should probably h- handle those later in a yeah. different environment where you don't have a time constraint. And so try to keep things tactical uh, there. Okay, we've got two great ways to end the meeting. I'm going to brag on my buddy Matt Briggs and Bob Briggs. Uh, they Uh, work with a management consultancy firm here in Dallas called PeopleWorks International. I do a lot of work uh, with them as well and partner up with them to serve a bunch of clients. And they taught me the idea of the W3, the W3. And this is a phenomenal way to end a meeting. And it is saying, okay, who will do what by when? So those are the three W's who, what, when, who will do what by when you and I have both been a part of meetings, Clay, where we've got a great agenda we're talking about problems and everybody's going, we could, we should, we ought. And then if you just go, okay, great. We talked about a lot of things. So many ideas. Look at all those ideas on that whiteboard. Who is going to do what by when? And it is, is like a worst. record scratch. Everybody yeah. looks at each other and they're like, what? This was just, I thought oh, we were oh, I didn't know we were actually going to
1: do it. Oh, well, if we're yeah. going to do it, I don't know that we should do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I thought we were just saying, wouldn't it be awesome if we did? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just, because there was nothing else to do today. So I just thought That's we were right. <laughs> talking about problems. And so, right. no, it is such a great way to end because it's all about expectations. And we all know that unmet expectations are so frustrating. And so. If you walk out of there thinking that uh, Bill and Susie are going to go do something and they don't, then you're going to be really frustrated when you come back to the agenda next week and you go back over the priorities and the measurables and they didn't do anything. So uh, that is a great way. They even have one client that has uh, printed out in all of their conference rooms little uh, sheets of paper that say who will do what by when. And when you walk into the conference room, you grab one and everybody fills it out. Before they leave the meeting, you talk about trying to make that a cultural, a part of the culture. That's a fantastic way to do that. You don't have to do that. You can just ask the question, but I love that. Who will do what by when? Great way to end a meeting.
1: And I think it not only does it set expectations and it it allows you to clarify expectations, but it also creates accountability, right? And so maybe what you do for the next meeting is you add whatever that, who's going to do what by when, maybe you add it to your 90 day objective list. And then that's something that you check back in on. Hey, remember last time we were together, Bill and Susie said that they were going to knock this out. Has that happened? Yes or no. I also like using the example I just gave. I think it's dangerous to give two people the to to make two people the who I think best practice would be make one person the who. And you might say, okay, Bill or Susie, which of you is going to be accountable to do this? Someone said this the other day that when everybody's taking out the trash, no one's taking out the trash, right? And the idea is that if everybody's doing it, then it's like, oh, well, then I just thought Adam was going to do it. And Bill thought Susie was going to do it and Susie thought. But if to say – and what ends up happening in a meeting like this is, is Susie goes, well, I can't do this on my own. Does that mean I got to do it on no, – no, no, no. It just means we're going to ask you, Susie, did it get done? Now, you might need to go to Bill after this meeting and be like, Bill, I can't do this unless I get this from you. So will you help this part of it? So it means it, other people are going to support you in it. But having one person that is the person to be held accountable to did this get done – Oh, it's so much better because we've all had the meeting where you come back the next week and you're like, wait, didn't we say we were going to, oh, well, nobody actually did anything about it because we That's didn't right. do
0: who is doing what by what, when. By when. Yeah. And it really, it really puts a spotlight on the big talkers on your team. That's <laughs> the, the, right. The idea people <laughs> who are always, oh, we could, should, ought. And you're like, all right, let's put, put money where your mouth is, bud. You going to yeah. do this? And you it's willing like, to Whoa. own it? Yeah, I don't know. And so it, it may uh, it's kind of it full. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So anyway, that's one idea I think can be incredibly helpful way to end a meeting. You can do that in one on ones. You can do that in team meetings. And it's just that that great idea of who is going to do what by when so clear, so specific. And it really it keeps you moving in the right direction. You have an idea of another way to end a meeting that I love. So talk about that one.
1: Well, I've seen people do this in meetings, but I'll tell you where I first saw it, Adam, was at a I was having lunch with a guy named Dustin Britt who works at Chick-fil-A in their marketing department. And Dustin uses a professional coach for years, a guy named Larry. And I've published some books. And so Dustin said, hey, Clay, would you have lunch with me and Larry? I'm really trying to help Larry get his book published. And we want to talk to you about that process and what you learn. So I was like, oh, of course. So we get done with the lunch. About a 90 minute lunch or so. And at the end of the lunch, Larry goes, um, Well, hey, can we go around the circle real quick? And I'm just curious, uh, what are you leaving this meeting with? Hmm. Or maybe uh, he might have said, How did you feel about this meeting? What emotion are you leaving this meeting with? And I was like, Well, that's an interesting little move that he just made. And so I said, You know, it got to me. And I was like, Well, honestly, I wasn't really looking forward to it. I have a lot going on. But this has been really life-giving. This has been a really good thing for me. I'm glad that we talked and it's been very inspiring and it's made me think about a few things. And then they each kind of shared, you know, this is kind of what I thought about. It. And I thought, what a, what a great way. And I so, of course, I asked him, I was like, you know, Zach Morris, Saved by the Bell, timeout. Yeah, you know, Larry, do you do this all the time? And he's like, yes, I end every coaching session this way. I end every meeting this way because I don't want something someone walking out of the meeting with unmet expectations, with confusion, with feelings that are hurt because they... Somebody, they misunderstood something someone said. And so I like doing a check in. I know there's, I've also been in team meetings where people will, an, an, an application of that in, in the business meeting world would be giving people the opportunity to rate the meeting. I've seen people actually use Olympic scoring to rate a meeting, which I think is fabulous. So you go around the room and you say, all right, meeting's over. We know who's gonna do what by when. Let's rate the meeting. And again, this should take 60 seconds. And Olympic scoring is important because in Olympic scoring, you start with a 10. You don't start with a zero. So everybody got a 10. Every meeting got a 10. But then you just deduct based on someone talked too much. Susie said she was going to do who by what by when yeah. and she didn't get it done. And we weren't able to move forward. Who, who, or it might be, you know, uh, Adam, last time you talked about having these breaks in the meeting, whether it's, you know, to, to show some cat video or to have a dance party. Maybe somebody goes, um, I understand culturally why we're doing that, but we spent 30 minutes on those (laughs) and now I didn't get done what I need to get done. So I'm going to deduct two points for that. I'm giving it an eight. So I, I, the, the, the idea is basically to make sure you give people the opportunity at the end of every meeting to say, did this meeting help you do your job? Did you enjoy it? Did you get stuff done? Because that's the point of meetings and giving people the opportunity to speak into that, I think just creates shared accountability.
0: I love that. And I'm in it, you know, this is not the Home Depot person that's giving you the receipt and circling with a highlighter saying, here's a survey. And if you take this, you get a <laughs> chance to win right. $500 in Home Depot that's gift right. cards, right? Like, cause we are uh, um, like in retail environments, they're always asking for feedback right now. So this is not like do it later this is try to get a pulse right now on where things are. And you're looking for patterns. I mean, you, it, right. listen, if everybody gave it a, a uh, an 8.8 8 and you haven't gotten in the nines in a couple weeks, that may be you know something that the, you're just looking for some patterns. Uh, some people are going to like one meeting a little bit more than the other, but you're just looking to see. Does somebody consistently say that this meeting is a six on a scale of 10 (laughs) uh, for them? If that's so, you need to go have a conversation. something
1: to visit. That's right.
0: I like that. So here's what comes to mind, Clay, and I I think I've got an answer for this. I mean, some of these ideas, especially with how to end the meeting with who will do what by when and the rating the meeting and asking people how they're doing on what they said they were going to do. Some people could think that comes across a little aggressive and uh, talk about the difference, though, between being aggressive and assertive, because I I think the heart behind it is assertiveness, which is a gift not to be aggressive and be a jerk. But but talk about the difference there.
1: Well, relationship, you know, depending on their temperament, they're going to handle it differently. If you've got someone who is all task, they're going to love something like this. Right. If you've got somebody that's all relationship, they're going to be like, oh, Adam, I don't want to do that because that's going to hurt somebody's feelings or that's going to feel prickly or whatever it may be. So, yeah, doing it in a way that is, um, hey, we're we're not doing this to try to scold anyone or try to call anyone out. Teams work best when there is shared accountability, when everyone feels like if I don't do my part, I'm letting someone down. Which means I got to show up relationally and I've got to show up getting stuff done. I've got to show up in both ways. And so it's just creating the buy-in from everybody to go, hey, we are all in this. This is not me, the team leader, telling everyone this is what we're doing for the next quarter. This is us all deciding together. This is the kind of team we want to have, kind of culture we want to have. And this is what we want to get done. And if we don't all do our part, we're not all going to be able to get it done. And so I think it's just sharing that load, you know, um, we, we have so many people in organizations that uh, have opinions, but we need more people to own results and not just owning opinion that they need to own the outcome of the results rather than just having an opinion about how things get done. And the way you do that is by letting people speak into what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're going to get it done.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of people that just yelled in their car and pounded the dashboard when you just said that. Uh, we need more people to to own results, not just own opinions. That's a, there, yeah, tweet that. That is a great line. And I think there are so many people uh, that will identify with that. Some of this is different, Clay. Like all the things we've talked about, if you put all three of these last weeks together with the way to start the meeting, run the meeting, end the meeting, it's a little bit different. It may be out of your comfort zone. And I think that's why it works. That's right. I think that's why it works is it gets you out, of, like left to ourselves, we're going to just be overwhelmed by the curse of knowledge. We're going to make too many assumptions. We're not going to, uh, we're, we're going to forget the priorities that we set. We're going to, we're going to end or start late. We're going to end late at, at these meetings. You know, they're not going to start on time. They're not going to end on time. And then people are just going to be disengaged and they you're not going to bring their best. And so hopefully some of these things that we've been talking about with how to start, run and end a meeting, If nothing else, it'll show your team that you are trying to improve and grow and get better. That's right. And I think that provides a lot of comfort to your team to go, okay, he or she, they don't want to waste my time. And I and I appreciate that they're trying hard to make sure that this is something valuable for the whole team. So you got any final thoughts?
1: I just think doing whatever you can do to if you can create a team culture, if you can create team meetings that people don't hate, you're winning. And so just make that your (laughs) aim. I'm gonna try to create meetings. That people do not hate. Some people might be going, no, it's setting the bar too low. Hey, all right, set it higher, astronaut. But I'm just saying, (laughs) if you can get people to not hate it, that would be fantastic. I mean, how many of us would love our job more if we had no meetings on our calendar that we hated? We're like, yeah, you know, there's improvement that could be made, but they're not miserable. I think that would be a really great thing.
0: I love that. That's a great, that's a great final word. So, all right, Clay, uh, this has been a fun conversation. Hopefully it's helpful to other leaders. We'd love to hear some of your ideas too. So if you've got some ways that you are running meetings, the way you're starting them, running them, or ending them, things that we haven't talked about, um, send us an email. We can be reached at info at howtolead.work, info at how to lead. work. Clay, as always, great to be with you. Thanks, Adam. See you. Thank you so much for listening to the How to Lead podcast. We would love to hear from you. Do you have any questions, any comments, any topics that you would like for us to consider for future episodes? If so, best way to reach out to us is via email. We can be reached at info at howtolead.work. That's info at how to work. This episode, like all of our episodes, was mixed and edited by the amazing team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we've got for today. We'll talk to you again next week.